All right, everyone, time for another edition of Holding Court. And, uh, boy, I've been looking forward to this one where I can actually talk about tennis that's actually being played rather than issues surrounding tennis. Of course, we will stay on top of any issues as they arise, whether it's Peng Shui related. I need to get back on that story, of course. And, of course, the Novak Djokovic situation as it unfolded in Australia was... Uh, Quite a story. I uh, had some great guests discuss it, educated me, and hopefully educated you. But we're in the thick of the tournament now. I am up in my hotel room in beautiful bucolic Bristol, Connecticut, home, of course, of ESPN headquarters, which is where we are covering the tournament this year as we did last year, hoping that maybe in 2023 we'll be back covering the tournament and hoping we'll actually be in Melbourne because uh, anyone who knows me knows that it's one of my favorite tournaments to go to. Played there, had great success for me as a player there, but uh, going back there every year to commentate it as I've been doing for ESPN now for hmm, almost 20 years, oh, five, more than that actually, 25 years. So anyway, let's get to the tournament um, and let's just go through the draw if you don't mind, because I've got it in front of me. Let's start with the men's draw. Of course, the top section of the draw was where Novak Djokovic was. And now we've got another Serbian taking his place, uh, Ketsmanovic, who had a good win over Tommy Paul. That was an opportunity for the American Tommy Paul. Very tight match. It was 6-5-6 uh, six, six to the Serbian. Two very close tie breaks. Paul had chances. Uh, I saw quite a bit of it, not all of it, but I saw the second and thirds where Paul had chances in both of those, and I'm assuming he did in the first as it went to 9-7 in the tie break. So opportunity missed for Tommy, but uh, I like the way he's looking overall. Good tournament win for him at the end of last year in Stockholm. So the American, I think, on his way to becoming potentially top 30 player this year. Ketsmanovic, solid off the ground. will take on the number 25 seed now, Lorenzo Sonega of Italy, who I actually think is going to win this match. Uh, he's had two pretty routine wins, one over Sam Query and one over Oscar Ate. So Sonega, Ketsmanovic, the winner of that one, will take on either Monfils or Garin, two seeds actually seeded very closely together. Garin, the Chilean, Monfils uh, is 17, Garin is 16. But I like Monfils in this one. He's winning the tournament, uh, the warm-up tournament, uh, coming in with confidence. He's just blitzed his first two opponents. Correa of Argentina, 1-1-3. One, one, and, and then Bublik, who's kind of tricky to play sometimes, but Monfils just taking care of business routinely, 1-0-4. Oh, and, and Garin had a very tough physical win in five sets over Pedro Martinez. So I like Monfils. In fact, I like Monfils, I think, to get through that section and make the quarterfinals. Boy, he's looking solid. Corda, Sebastian Corda next in this part of the draw. Huge win for him over Mute, the talented Frenchman. Uh, tons of drop shots from the lefty. Corda, a little bit too solid in that final set tiebreak. It went the distance, and it was Sebastian Corda winning it, I believe it was 10 6 in that final tiebreak. So next up for him will be Karenia Busta, who also had a very tough physical match against Greek Spore, went five sets there, 6-4 in the fifth for the number 19 seed from Spain. That's a tight one. That's a tight call. Very slight favorite, maybe Karenia Busta, just a little bit more experienced, but 
you know, it's really going to be about recovery in the next 24 hours. In this one, you'd think Karenia Busa's slight edge in the fitness department just because he's he's been out there a little bit longer. Corda obviously improving a ton. I'm going to give the edge to the Spaniard there. I'd obviously love to see Corda as an American come through. I love the way he's developing. If he plays his best, Corda will win. Uh, and in a year or two, I think Corda will be, will be the solid favorite in this matchup. But right now, leaning to the veteran from Spain. Boy, I'm looking forward to the next this next matchup. Alcaraz, the youngster from Spain, who's the 31st seed against Matteo Berrettini, who took out Stefan Kozlov. Nice to see Kozlov, as Brad Gilbert calls him, my guy. Brad and I have a sort of uh, ongoing um, joke, sort of fun, as we follow various players. Of course, we, we follow the young American. We follow all the players, but particularly the American. So I was always telling Brad back in the day that I like Kozlov. Brad wasn't so high on old Kaz when he was a teenager. Of course, he was one of the top teen players in the world. Uh, and it turned out Brad was probably right, although Kozlov uh, starting to make his way. He won the wild card playoff, which happens over the course of some challengers in the United States in the fall. So we always go back and forth, texting each other, watching all these tournaments. And uh, so that's why he calls Kozlov my guy. Like, like stuff. I don't know him that well. I know him from my years at the USTA, just as I know a lot of the other players his age. But anyway, I digress. Nice to see Kozlov get a win in the opening round over Vesely. Took a set off Berrettini, but Berrettini just too strong physically in this match. So Alcaraz, Berrettini, I'm going to go with the youngster. I just love Alcaraz. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I would not be shocked to see Alcaraz make it all the way to the semifinals. If he gets through Berrettini, he's then got, you know, likely Malfis if Malfis gets through. So wouldn't shock me. I mean, I think he's ready. Berrettini, you know, a little bit more power at the moment, but boy, I am so impressed. I've said this a few times. I'll say it on my podcast now. I believe that Alcaraz is the next great player. I mean, maybe Sinner in there as well. Obviously, there's a lot of really, really good young I'm talking about the, the youngsters, the next-gen guys coming up. I just love Alcaraz's all-court game, his power, his speed, his demeanor on the court. I like him over Berrettini. Now we go to sort of the bottom section of the top half where it will likely be uh, Zverev, of the three seed, who's rolled his first two rounds. He's, he's probably right now the favorite in this section of the draw, even with Nadal in there. Uh, I'll get to that momentarily. Albert, who came through the qualies, Zverev will win that easily. Opelka Shapovalov. That's a good one. Uh, two guys similar in age. Shapovalov, a little bit better results in some big tournaments thus far. Big win for Opelka to beat Dominic Kepfer. Big, I say, because Kepfer had beaten Riley a couple of times. Got through it in straight sets. Shapovalov has struggled uh, in his first two matches, which he really shouldn't have. Four sets against Gier from Serbia should have won that more comfortably and then went the distance against Kwan. Solid player is Kwan, but Shapovalov, that's a match you got to take care of a little bit more routinely. It was three tie breaks, the first three sets. Shapo got down two sets to one, came on strong in the fourth, and then won it easily in the fifth, sixth, two. But I'm going to give the edge to Riley in this one just based on the fact that he's had two pretty routine matches. Shapovalov, the biggest weakness in his game is his return to serve. And obviously against Opelka, that's a factor. 
Um, Riley playing better. Jay Berger, my old buddy from the USTA and Davis Cup, has been working with him. He tells me Riley is working extremely hard, very motivated uh, in the offseason. So I like, I like Riley. Slight upset that would be slight, I should say, to get through that one. All right, Manorino and Karetsev. Manorino, pretty surprisingly easy win over Hercotch, the 10 seed, 4-2-3. and three. Karetsev won that, remember that first round in five. I believe that was well over four hours, that match. And he took out Mackie McDonald in four sets. Got to like Karetsev in this one, unless he's fatigued, which is possible, because he also won one of the lead-up tournaments. But he's strong like Bull um, Karetsev. He's got more firepower than Manorino, but Manorino tricky. So if Kretzev's a little off physically, uh, it could be tricky, but I'm going to go with uh, the Russian, the number 18 seed in that one. Nadal taking on Hatchinoff. Uh, you know, that could be tricky for Rafa. Remember they played at the U.S. Open a number of years ago when Hatchinoff was really at his best, and Rafa won a really tough physical four-set match. Hatchinoff has dropped off a little bit. In the last 18 months, he's 28 seed. He's had two pretty straightforward wins. Rafa looking very, very good. But hatching off a guy with the firepower on the serve and, you know, the big tall guy, good two-handed backhand, can hit it, hit it big, hit it cross. Uh, I'm going to say Rafa pulls that out, but it wouldn't shock me if that's a very, very, very tough match. All right, we go to matches that will be played later tonight, our time. Uh, second round matches, Mulkin and Duhar. That's sort of a pick I might probably go with Anduhar on that. Uh, Demonor, I got to like him to get through. Majacek, I think I'm saying his name right. I got to check my pronunciation notes before I go on air with ESPN. So, you know, I can, I can wing it a little bit more in my podcast, not when I'm on live with ESPN. They give us the pronunciations of the tricky names. Uh, but Demonor... Yeah, I think I like him to get through that. And pretty pretty good section for him, actually, because the winner of that takes on Mulkin or Andrewhar to get to round four. So good opportunity for Demonor, the Aussie, the number 32 seed. Then we got Murray against Taro Daniel. So the big question after Murray's win over Basilashvili in five. <coughs> Excuse me, how he recovers physically. He, if he does recover well, he should win that pretty comfortably. Daniel, solid, but mostly a challenger. Tight player, came through the qualies here and had a nice win over another qualifier in the opening round. Johnson against Sinner, Stevie J, of course, out of USC for so many years. Such a great career there. Solid career on tour. Sinner, too much game, too much firepower, big off both sides. He'll be able to get Stevie on the run to that backhand side. I think Stevie can keep it close for a set or two based on his competitiveness, his serve, the forehand. Is Guile, but Sinner, he's another one of these young guys who's a coming. Batista Agu, Cole Schreiber, two veterans. I like the Spaniard in that one. Tiafo Fritz, we'll be covering that one on our ESPN coverage tonight. I think myself and James Blake calling that. So looking forward to it. It's a tight match. Fritz, probably the slight favorite, just a little bit more consistent. But Tiafo had a really solid year this year. I expect both these guys to be top 30 players within six. I mean, Fritz already is there, 20. So I think Tiafo is playing well enough to be a top 30 player uh, and get seeded at these majors. So he's going to need to do that to avoid uh, his buddy Taylor Fritz early on. 
Uh, I'm going to go Fritz in this one, but it could go either way. I don't have a great feel for that. Obviously, they have a long history in the juniors, good friends. We will have an American into round three. That much we know. Pear, who won a long five-setter in his first round, takes on Dimitrov. Battle of, uh, well, you know, streaky guys. Pear, of course, at least he's back competing. He had some issues in the beginning of COVID, as we know. He's, well, he's had some issues throughout his career. Probably, I say, Dimitrov in this one, but not a given. Sitsipas will roll over Baez from Argentina, who's done very well in uh, challengers the last few months, but... Sitsipas uh, should get through this section. Rublev, Barankis, love Rublev, love Rublev in that one. Gambis, a qualifier against Chilich. You know, Chilich still hanging around. 27 seed. I'm going Chilich. Evans, Rinderneck. Rinderneck, who took out uh, Poprin, played his college tennis in the States. Evans, though, has looked very solid uh, early stages of this year. I like him. Davidovich, Fokina, Oje Aliassim. Should be Felix in this, but he did go five in the first round against Rusevriori. Davidovich, Fokina, tough competitor. Um, could be possible upset there, but I'm going to stick with Oje Aliassim. Love that kid. We spent some time together with him at Labor Cup. He's a great kid. I shouldn't say kid, young man. And uh, I think he just gets a little more flair to his game because he's so... Sometimes I feel he's a little too methodical if you know what i mean i mean that's always something you you think it's a positive for a young player but for him i feel like he could he's such a great athlete and uh he's so focused sometimes i feel like he could just loosen up a little bit that would help him but that'll be a tight match schwartzman o'connell the aussie who got a wild card and won his first round but schwartzman will be too solid cressy takes out mahak the qualifier from the czech republic again i might be butchering his name before i go on air i'll make sure i get it straight Love Cressy. Love the way he's going about his business. Wins in five over Isner, the UCLA Bruin. He will get through this. And, and again, pretty good opportunity for Cressy. Cressy, Schwartzman in the third round. That would be interesting. Van de Zenschlup against Gasquet. I'm going to go with Botic in this one. Gasquet won in four against Uber, which I was a little surprised about the Battle of the Frenchman. But I'm going to go with Van de Zenschlup in that one. And let me see where else I go. I got to go to, uh, oh, then we got Curios Medvedev. So there we go. That's the one everybody's looking forward to in Australia. That'll be under the lights in Australia. So it'll be in the middle of the night for us. And uh, you can check that out uh, on ESPN+. Plus. All right, let's go over to the women's draw now. And since I just mentioned ESPN+, Plus, I mean, I know a lot of you are uh, sending us messages on social media to ESPN, very upset about the coverage shifting over to ESPN plus, you know, we're not that happy about it as far as we are at the tennis team, but let me, let's, let's talk some reality here, people. Okay. Cause I got to defend ESPN in some way here because they have every right to do what they need to do to try to make this work, uh, meaning their business work. Okay. So let me give you all a little reality check here. Okay. Uh, first of all, ESPN will be covering the other two majors, not the French. Of course, Tennis Channel has that. Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, uh, the way we've always covered it, okay? Now, the reason that ESPN is going to plus for the Australian Open is mostly because of the time change. The time change factor and the fact that the pandemic has hit and we're doing uh, this event now for the second year in Bristol. And you got to remember, we're doing this uh, in Bristol, Connecticut from 
essentially early evening all the way through 12 hours the following morning. We did it last year. But here's the deal. That costs ESPN, the company, a lot of money to have uh, be able to have people there all through the not just us by the way we get we get paid basically the same we meaning the announcers uh, whether we're on for uh, you know 10 minutes or 10 hours okay so the point is is that it costs ESPN a lot more money to uh, be able to keep people in the studios. And of course, there are more protocols about how many people can be in the studio because remember, ESPN is owned by Disney and they take these things extremely seriously, which they should because it relates to their making films, it relates to their television, it relates to the Disney park. So we're all under, the reason I tell you this is because we're under the insane umbrella at ESPN. Okay, so the protocols are significant. They're serious. They take them seriously. Now, when it comes to this tournament, okay, because most a lot of the tennis is being played in the middle of the night for us, it's hard for ESPN to sell commercials. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Get get sponsors because, and other than you hardcore tennis fans, and we love you, I love you very much. Uh, we understand you're hardcore, but be honest with me. Are you watching all the way through the night every night? Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Well, the numbers say that collectively you are not. Okay, so therefore, it costs ESPN a lot of money. And if ESPN was, uh, the ratings for tennis were through the roof, I'm guessing, and again, I don't know this, I don't make these decisions, I'm guessing that we would probably be covering all the matches all day and all night. But the ratings aren't great for tennis in general in this country. Let's hope they improve. Uh, when some of our American, young American players uh, can do a little bit better, that would certainly help. Um, but that's the reality of the space we're in. The reality is also, as you're all seeing, whether you're buying uh, Netflix, whether you're buying HBO Max, whether you're buying Peacock, and I bought many of these for myself, for my kids. Dad, we got to get Disney Plus. You know, so... We, we assess what we can do, what we can afford, all of us, and we make these decisions. So we hear you. We understand your frustration. Uh, I bought ESPN Plus myself so that I could watch the matches, and I had to buy it when I got back to my hotel room. Uh, I think it's $6.99 a month. So we appreciate those of you that have bought it. We hear you. We understand uh, your frustrations. But again, uh, let's hope that we can find the right model because we all in the tennis world, we want to show as much tennis as we can on television, but we also have to be aware of the reality that uh, for ESPN and for others, it is a business. And if the business model doesn't work the way it is, then we try to find other ways to make it work. So take a step back and remember ESPN is trying to find a way to make this work so that we can all have as much tennis as we would like to see on television. Okay, that's my little rant on ESPN Plus situation. Let's go back to the, what's going on on court. Again, I told you there are always issues coming up. Barty has been amazing. She's dropped just three games and two matches. Georgie will give her a little bit more trouble. She's got firepower. She's had two very nice wins, but not that much. Barty wins this comfortably. Anisimova, old DC, Darren Cahill working with her. And uh, they're off to a flying start. She won a lead-up tournament. 
She has won two matches, including just beating Belinda Benchich, the gold medal winner, in straight sets. Love the way she's looking. Osaka next for her. So that will be very interesting. I hope we get to get that on ESPN. Uh, Anissa Mova goes in as a solid underdog. Osaka, great to see her back. Happy, enjoying herself. Seems to have a great attitude. She's won two matches in straight sets. Osaka, a solid favorite. Look, Osaka and Barty are the two favorites. The two odds makers favorites at the, to win the tournament. And they are scheduled to play in the fourth round. So that's a little bit of a bummer, to be honest. But it's also uh, in a very, very intriguing fourth round match. And the reason that that's going to happen is because Osaka's ranking has dropped because of the fact that she took you know quite a bit of time off last year. So that won't last, I think, for that long. Although she loses to Barty or any Samova, she's going to lose a lot of her points from winning the title. So Osaka's going to have to rebuild her ranking. And I think that... Uh, from what I've seen, that is going to happen. All right. Parizas Diaz. I, I got to be honest. I don't know her. She got a walkover in the second round. She won her first round easily. Um, I couldn't pick her out of a lineup at this point. Got to be honest. I'll do my homework on her because she's playing Jess Pagula next, who won a straight setter against uh, Para in the last round. So I can't really make a prediction other than uh, to, just based on the rankings. But I don't know this uh, Diaz. So... Pagula, though, uh, solid. She must be pumped about her Buffalo Bills. I know she doesn't like it when people say that, but it's my podcast, so she won't hear it. Kudamertova against Sakari. Pretty tight. Kudamertova, 28. Sakari, though, you get the feeling that she's one of those, you know, 10 to 12 players that could win it. I'm going to go with Sakari in that one. Krajikova Astapenko. Two French Open champions. I'm going to go Krajikova to win that. Ostapenko took out Ali Risk in, in a tough one in 6-4 in the third. Her first match also went three. Krajikova has rolled her first two matches. I expect that to continue. Azarenka Svitolina. That's a, that's a tough little section here. Top of top half of the uh, top of the women's draw. Mm. Svitolina ranked higher, 15-24. to 24. For Azarenka, but I'm kind of leaning Azarenka. Uh, she's won her two matches easily. Svitolina was tested in her last round. Azarenka likes the Australian, of course, loves the Australian Open. She's won it a couple of times. Uh, I'm going Azarenka in that one. Madison Keys has won two rounds after winning one of the lead up tournaments, takes on Wang of China. Keys, let's go. I like the way she's looking. My man, Rocket Rodney Marshall, is a good buddy of mine who uh, is her trainer. He's been with her through all the various coaches she's had. So he kind of gives me the little tidbits on where she is. But they seem very excited in the Keys camp, and I don't blame them. Uh, that was in my years at the USTA work, and we call him the Rocket. Ran track at uh, Florida State, and uh, he's one of the great guys in tennis. So he's standing by with Madison Keys. Good draw, too. From, well, you got Kostyuk, the youngster from uh, Ukraine. And then you've got Bedosa. Wow, what a story she's been coming out of nowhere from a year ago. I mean, you know, those of us in tennis knew of her. But she's the eight seed now. And uh, she is just unbelievably strong, powerful, great athlete. So I like her. There. I'd love to see Bedosa Keys round four. That would be very, very interesting. All right, we go to the bottom half, and these are the matches, again, that we played 
uh, later tonight, our time into through the night, Contivate. She's also one of the players that you could say could win it. You know, she's never done that well in a major, but last year she was just on fire the second half of the year, and that's why she's a sixth seed, takes on Towson, who's a youngster who's extremely talented, but Contivate, I think, just a little too strong, a little too big off both wings. Danielle Collins, take on Kanju, who took out Shelby Rogers in a tight three-setter. I'm going to go with uh, Collins in that one. Mertens against Bergu. Two veterans, Mertens. She just uh, keeps on plugging away. I'm going to go with her, Rabakina, against Zhang. I'm going to go Rabakina getting through a couple. I think Rabakina will also beat Mertens if they play in the next round. Simona Halep takes on Haddad Maya. So Halep looking good. She looks really fit. Uh, obviously, she battled with some injuries throughout quite a bit of last year. So she's... Uh, you know, split with Darren Cahill. They had a great run for a number of years, so she's got new coach with her. But, you know, for her, it's mostly about her fitness and how she's moving, and she looks great. Radikanu could be next for her, who takes on Kovinich. Radikanu took out Sloane Stevens. That would be, I would, I'd, I'd pay some dough to see Radikanu against Halep in the third round. That would be very interesting. Zdaznik, Zdanzik, I should say, sorry, against Heather Watson. Uh, I don't know. I might go with Heather in this one. Slight upset. Zadonzek's 29 seed. Solid, but uh, I don't know. That's just a pick for me. Cornet, Muguruza. You got to like Muguruza in that. Uh, Sviantek against Peterson, the Swede. I'm going to go with the number 17, Iga Sviantek. I still love her game. I love her athleticism. I'm expecting even more from her. Of course, she won the French a couple of years ago. Kazakina, Lynette. Eh, I'm going to say Kazakina. She's the seed in this match. Lynette, though, eh, good experience player. Had a good win for her over Sevastova in the first round. Kristea Kuchova. I'm going to go... I think I'll go Kristea in this one because she'd beat Kvitova easily, 2-2. Two and two. Stozer, her last tournament, and it was great to see her win a round. I believe she won her doubles in the first round. Of course, our own Renee Stubbs, who worked with us at ESPN, who's in Australia. She's the coach. Uh, but I think it ends today for her against Pavlochenkova, the number 10 seed. Kanepi and Buskova. I'm going to go, ooh, Kanepi beat Kerber. Not a huge upset. You know, Kanepi's always been sort of a giant killer in majors. But you know what? I'm going with Buskova. I like her all-around game. Baptiste, Haley Baptiste, a qualifier from the U.S., takes on Inglis, who took out Leila Fernandez, the U.S. Open finalist. So two sort of surprises there into the second round. I'm going Haley Baptiste in that one. Samsonova against Vandrusova. Vandrusova going to win that one. And then we've got Sabalenka and her serving woes, what she overcame in her first round win in three sets. But that um, that's the X factor because she has got the yips basically on her serve, the number two seed. She's the number two seed in the world. And she's got serving yips. And, of course, she had her best run yet in a major at Wimbledon last year. If this, That's a huge if, but if the serve is okay, Sabalenka is a huge favorite to get through her entire section. But that we will have to keep an eye on. So that's just a little overview of the draw as I see it thus far. Again, send me any uh, questions, any other issues that you'd like me to address. I have already put a couple of uh, very great podcasts, I think, in the can 
uh, on the mental health issues. So those will start to be part of season three here of Holding Court. Of course, we've been tied up for the last couple of months with those big stories with Peng Shui, which, by the way, I'm going to get back into that as well, and the Novak Djokovic story. That we will continue to have to follow when it comes to what's the future for Novak and for unvaccinated players, of which there are very few at this point in time, uh, with the France, with the country of France just announcing uh, that you will not be able to get into the country if you're unvaccinated as an athlete, and the ATP sending out a letter just to the players in the last 24 hours essentially saying that. So that's starting literally like in a week or two because there's some tournaments scheduled in France, uh, challenger events and then tour events, uh, over the course of the next few months. So all the, all the media people, uh, you know, the sort of non-tennis media people are saying, well, what's this mean for Djokovic for, you know, the French Open, Wimbledon, the U.S. Open? I said, well, this means, what does this mean for him, you know, just playing pro tennis for the next few months? Because this issue is going to come up in, 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 in other countries, France, Italy, Spain, uh, and it's going to be very interesting to see what Mr. Djokovic does. Patrick McEnroe here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.